as I requested yesterday, at, at the end of the day, I would like us to have uh, people that sharing your experience of the sit and the walk. It's very useful to everyone, I think, to get to hear other people's experience. They did a really fine job yesterday. Nobody went on too long, but everybody really had something to say. Really appreciated that. What is it we are doing when we uh, take as our theme, as our purpose of the retreat, to look at the delight of practice? What does that gain us? Why is that a wise use of time? Why is that onward leading? Yesterday, we talked about it in terms of the negative bias, how we tend to uh, uh, find what's wrong in life, what we don't like in life, what we are alarmed about in life, and the practical reason that's so for our own survival, and how we're not wanting to get rid of that tendency, that, that human bias, but we are not wanting to let that define our meditation experience, nor the way we experience our life. So to continue the exploration of why we would do this, the more we find delight in practice, the more likely we are to practice. That makes sense, doesn't it? Also, when we are in delight, we are more relaxed if we're not in grasping delight. Warning, caution, caution, warning. The, therefore, the more we, the more we are to uh, have further understanding because it is the relaxed mind that that can then soften into the experience that is most able to become collected and unified all the way into absorption, if that's where you want to go. And it is that same relaxed mind that can that that is gathered and collected and then relaxed and softened into experience for practices of insight insight practice, Vipassana practice per se. So that's from a practice point of view, not to mention that it's a lot more fun when we're, when we're hanging around in the, in the neighborhood of delight. And then in terms of the world, so we learn to see delight and practice. So we see delight in the world. The world is challenging. The, it is uh, the realm of the opposites. We gain and loss. The Buddha's worldly wins. You know, fame and ill repute, praise and blame. So it's on. There's no end to the uh, opposites. Uh, the other morning on my practice, maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks, I can't remember now when it was, what I did in my whole practice was spend, I spent at least 20 minutes naming opposites. Just I just I wasn't trying to think of them. I just named opposites, and that was all that I did. And I, it was spontaneous. I wasn't going. To, I'm now going to understand exactly what I mean when I teach that, that everything about the opposites. I actually simply was doing my own practice, and that's what my practice was for those. Could have been thirty, but let's just say twenty. At the end of that, there was no longer specific opposites like. Praise and blame, gain and loss, uh, 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 liking, disliking. There was only a stream of opposites. 
only a stream. There, there was the, the, the specifics had all dropped away, but my mind was in the, this, this truth of the opposites. And again, suffering and non-suffering is an opposite, you see. And what I, uh, what I took from that was the, uh, the essential nature of this manifest world. And that is the world in which we live. That's the realm, really, and I consider it beyond this world. It is everywhere in this realm. This realm is at least this universe. I don't know, maybe there's many other universes. And, and all of these kinds of universe, this is, this is the way it is in this, the manifest realms of existence. The, the very creation, the very existence of a manifest realm uh, requires the opposites in this way. So, uh, the, uh, the, again, I, I repeat, this is, this is, a, this is an adult only retreat. This is not for someone who's still living in fantasy. Um, so the, the, the value of finding delight in practice is we find delight in the moment. We find delight in our own sincerity. We find delight in our own dignity. We find delight in having choice. We find delight in executing choice. We find delight in being available. So much delight in being available that we're really present for it. We feel delight in, therefore, how, the way we're relating to in regular life now, in regular life. But how do, how do we learn that? How do we get a, how do we uh, really get in the, the deep end of it uh, that we really soak ourselves in, uh, in this delight so that we know practice can do this? And practice is so wholesome oriented. I don't want to back up that. I don't want to over give us too much credit. There is a lot of wholesomeness in our intent and practice as I had you noticed this morning in arriving. It's wholesome. Is it purely wholesome? Probably not. Probably we're motivated by, get me out of this suffering. Oh, I want to have some calm in my life. Oh, I want to get refreshed so I can go back and want more, get, get, shed some of this trauma of the wanting and then go back and want some more. We, you know, we're a mixed bag. The Buddha describes this and, um, the Majima can't remember the number now. I used to know it 50 something. Uh, when he talks about that, there's, that we have pure, we have, uh, uh we have, uh, of wholesome intention and unwholesome intentions and then mixed intentions. And of course, I think that's what most of us have most of the time. And that's okay. That's okay. Why? Because we're starting where we are. We start where we are because that's the only place that we really truly can start. We can be inspired, but we start where we are. We can feel the potential, but nonetheless, we start where we are. Where we are is in, includes being inspired by that potential, but we're still starting where we are. And that's why the humility works so well. It is our, we find it unacceptable where we are, or we want to be somewhere else, or we're deluded um, about where we are, and we won't let ourselves learn where we are. And so the idea of, of course, I got to start where I am. 
And we have dignity in that because we are doing as best we're able from starting where we are. Not as an excuse like, oh, I can't do better. Oh, I can't help the fact that I get angry a lot or I can't, whatever, you know, whatever the, the particular thing we're dealing with. That isn't, that's a misuse, a misunderstanding of as best I'm able. It's the humility, the dignity, and the integrity in that moment. We learn these in practice. We, life is teaching us that also, but in life, you know, we get caught in the soap opera of it, and it's hard. Life hurts. Life hurts a lot. Life's so uncertain, and it's, it's everything's so unreliable, and there's, everything's always changing, and we're, there's so much stimulation, and, uh, and we're being manipulated by all of these people all of these organizations and so forth. It's a very tough life. But here on retreat, we get to practice in, in a way that we're sheltered. And so the retreat, the retreat is like the, the bow that is pulled back. And, but there's always the sense that it's going to return. And we're going to return to our lives. And so about the, the we're, what we gain in retreat is coming back into life. In that way. And so delight can come back. So wisdom can come back. So compassion can come back. When we see a moment that we choose not to judge in daily life, yay, you know, yay. And uh, it's, uh, it is, it's that, that moment when we choose wisely out of compassion and wisdom, then, then we are, we're much more we're much more likely to have another moment of that and another moment of that. So um, uh, our daily life and time can become much more our, our cushion than just being on the cushion. We, we start to expand the feeling of being on retreat and our life starts to have a little bit of quality of retreat. First, first we go back, you know, inspired or rested or whatever. Then we go, oh, I want to apply some of this to my life. And then, oh, I want to apply more. Then I, I want to really make practice more a part of my life. And I'm going to have practice at home. And then we come to some point and we realize, oh, life is practice. Life is practice. That's the only way to really understand life, <laughs> to not get to not get discouraged by life. It's not like that. this idea that I'm supposed to be always happy and things are always supposed to go well. That's not, that's not real. That's not the way it happens for anybody. But treating how life is in its opposites as practice, just like on retreat, then, then uh, our, our, the, the attachment does not come in the same way. I made reference to disenchantment. You see, we are caught in a kind of disenchantment. Uh, we're caught in a kind of enchantment. This is uh, straight from the Buddha, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this, this enchantment and so forth, and, and uh, dispassion. Not, these are not my uh, thoughts. These are things I learned from the practice. So we, we, we see how the grasping mind, the wanting, the aversion, all the hindrances come about. Because we we are we are we are caught in stimulation, we're caught in it. We are addicted to it. We we believe it, and we we have such misunderstandings. With great tenderness, we say this because it's how could it be otherwise? It's 
so complex and so confusing. And that gradually we start to see that, oh no, that's that these things that seem to matter so much, they're not really the, what matters so much. My being right in relation to my spouse, it matters so much less than my caring for my spouse. Why is it that I get alienated because they can't see that I'm right here? And, and But then in time we go, yes, we prefer that, but it's just a preference. What matters is the actual relatedness, the actual caring, and so forth with our children, with how we are in our community, and so forth. So we start to be more like a monastic in the way we're relating in our lives, even though we're living lay lives. And it is it is a very complicated thing to do in relation to stimulation versus the life of a monastic who deliberately minimized their stimulation to my everlasting respect. So that is that is that is the the reasons for delight and i am in this retreat in this i'm asking you to notice delight and in this next sit i'm going to ask you to notice delight a lot and i and i will use different words i will use ease i will use naturalness i will use uh feeling authentic uh, I, I did that yesterday too <coughs> and um um uh, my aspiration is to get to exploring that knowing that we started that I used the hammer, which I've never used the hammer analogy before. <laughs> and it's, as I said in doing it, there's lots of problems in that analogy. Um, but uh, still, there it was. It was so real. It's hard to <laughs> miss the realness. <laughs> we human beings will find some way to not open something that's scary to understand. <laughs> I mean, we're so creative to not to be in make, making sure we're not going to understand something that we don't know what its implications will mean for us, <laughs> all of us. Oh my goodness! But anyway, so I'm going to I'm going to uh, as best I'm able. Um, you know, I I could not get to that that part of that. Because it, the, I, I am doing the meditation with you and the meditation went somewhere else. It did not, it did not go there. It went to this whole, to the whole thing about, uh, disenchantment and dispassion, which again is something you would, you would probably only hear in a, a month long, six week retreat or something like this. It's unusual. And we don't, that's not something one does on a weekend non-residential retreat online, <laughs> but. Nonetheless, that's where it went, and that's uh, that's the authenticity of the retreat, you see. And so we take delight in going to unexpected places where we're we're available, we're available, and feeling that availability, seeing how it allows us to take the form, because that's what mindfulness will allow us to do. If when the mind is content, the mind can take the form of whatever object is being examined literally it can take the form of it it can uh it has a, it can stay placed on it and it will penetrate it it can it can fill into it become inside reside inside the experience what the buddha called uh, at least translated in victorian language worldly the mind becomes very worldly it will it can get in there like water gets in uh, little creases and so forth. So we can be, we can know the experience from within the experience rather than knowing the experience as up in the old coconut. We are inside the felt sense of the experience 
and um, it's understood differently in that way oftentimes. So I appreciate your uh, your being here and not having left. <laughs> and we will go on.